Hello out there. We're on the air. It's, it's Rink Moose Talk tonight. The beers are cold. The mics light up. And, and the, the boys, boys get set to fight. The gloves come off. Opinions get thrown. And someone slips on ice. One man howls. The other scowls. But the show must go on. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. You're an announcer with a long stick from time to time. With hockey flows. And Marshawn's nose. And Pierre Maguire's life. Not John's a leaf. Ovechkin's teeth. And Hoffman's crazy wife. When Carey slumps. And Benjamin stumps. Durant's not LaFontaine. Jokes aside, it's podcast time. And Rink Moose is the name. Oh, hockey game is the best game. Welcome, everybody, to the Rink Moose podcast. A weekly episodic podcast where two good friends get together and discuss all things NHL, as well as their implications in fantasy hockey. I'm one of your hosts, Nick Costu, along with my good pal, the one they call the caped crusader, the masked vigilante, Kyle Nice. <sighs> Kyle, how are you? How are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Nick. Happy Halloween. It's Wednesday mm-hmm. today in, in days of recording. Um, another thing we're really excited about uh, to tell you is that we're pretty much done on the uh, the editing of the commercial that we're going to bring to you guys. It's going to be really, really funny, really humorous, and I we hope you guys like it. It's uh, it's It's got some fruit involved, so yeah, it's, it's worth a few good laughs, so we can't wait to bring you that. And uh, other than that, Nick... <clears throat> things are well on my end. I hope things are well on your end. But uh, I have to bring something yeah. to your attention. I really do. Something has been eating away at me since since a couple weeks now. Are you ready for this? It's kind of a bombshell. Sure. I am disappointed in your preseason predictions because, and I'll tell you why, I have seen so many of my predictions come into fruition that went straight up against your predictions, Nick. Do you want me to do you want me to start on on the list? Firstly, I don't know what your what predictions you're alluding to, but okay. I'm going to name them right now. The Avalanche okay. are better than we expected. Something oh I was saying all year and it took until Mr. Pierre Maguire had something to say for, about it for you to pipe up and say, "Hey guys, Kyle might be onto something. Well, who knows? Maybe Pierre is listening to the podcast. Maybe he is. Second, McKinnon is near the top of the NHL scoring and could very well lead the league, as I predicted. Third, the Kings are shit, as I predicted. Fourth, and this is my favorite one, Nick. This is my favorite one. Jonathan Quick has injury troubles this was something that i stated i said nick come on man look at it look at his look at last year he had he had a problem and you're like ah that's one year what uh, what do you have to say about all these true predictions first thing i'm gonna say is those first two of yours very premature thinking Okay. Oh, come on. The reality is the avalanche, the scoring, the first line. This this can't cons- this can't sustain itself. The reality is no one no one averages one point five points per game. No one has a 20, 25 game point streak. These things don't don't they don't happen in today's NHL. Soon enough, teams are going to clamp down on this top line. They're not going to be able to generate nearly as the extent of offense they've been doing to this point. I, I just hey, I still think they're a great line. You you can go back to last episode. You you can you can see my quotes. But the reality is how they're doing in the standings, how the first line's performing, how McKinnon's doing, how Rantanen's doing, it's not gonna hold up. Okay? The Kings, not so shit. We will get into that later in the episode. They had a rebound game this past boy, weekend. Boy. Things look up and up. I can't wait and to And as for Jonathan as for Jonathan Quick, not finished yet. We'll get as to that. As for we'll Jonathan Quick. Well, I mean, it happens. I can't predict injuries, and, uh, and it, it happened. No one can predict injuries. I don't have a crystal ball. I'm no oracle. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, hey, we, we, we both 
bit the bullet here. You drafted him, I traded for him, and and now we're both in Shit's Creek. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Oh boy, I thought you were the Oracle, Nick. Come on, you're supposed to be the Come Oracle. On. You're the podcast. I'm guy. no, I am no Oracle. <laughs> Come on. Oh man, but hey, <laughs> you guys need to save this voice clip. He, you, you heard what he said about the Avalanche in the top line. You heard it here first. Nick is a confirmed doubter of this line continuing success. What do you mean? I no, go go to my quotes. I love I just don't see this being sustained. I think any rational person can see the numbers and go, "Hey, you know, these guys can't finish with 150 points each." Oh, that's just no. that's just not going to because that's their pace right now, Kyle. So Not to that it's, level. It's just it's not well, there you go. But I'm saying like they will they're they're currently, in my opinion, the best line in hockey, and they will end the season the best line in hockey. That's what I'm saying. That may very, that may very well be true. So, did you check out the uh, the ice surfing that I told you about uh, on Twitter, there, Nick? I uh, I don't know. I I didn't really look into this. The the way I see it, it's uh, you know, it's it's for people who don't have the luxury of Game Center and who can't switch between games themselves. You know. <clears throat> Well, I'll tell you what, I was watching hockey on Tuesday, and um, I was trying to watch the Montreal game, but it was actually blacked out on Game Center. So I was just kind of scrolling through Twitter, and I came across the ice surfing feed, and, and I had heard tons about it beforehand. But uh, I, I'm going to be honest, I, I was really impressed with the whole premise. I mean, you've got, uh, I think, Wyshynski uh, and some other guy, something York, um, and the they're basically it's them two at the desk and there's kind of swapping between like games that are going on. And then if a goal gets scored, they, they go and show you the highlight and then they have some discussion and then they go to swap to another game and you've got Steve Dangle chiming in, giving you the latest. So honestly, the way I felt about it, it was kind of like you got a little piece, you got the best pieces of every game. So instead of me kind of like, you know, swapping through streams on my game center, it's like they did it for me and then they gave me some commentary as well. So I was actually super impressed with uh, with the stream and what they were saying and just just how entertaining it was. Honestly, this might be my new Tuesday tradition is, is ice surfing. I, I really encourage you guys at least give it a look and, and see if it's for you. Um, at, at the moment, I think it's just a Twitter thing. I don't think it's on anything else right now. I could be wrong, but yeah, it's just a really cool concept. And I think it's some, it's a part of the, it's a part of the watching experience that I think is going to grow and it's going to kind of, it's going to be the new norm is more an interactive style of watching hockey because, um, I mean, how cool would it be if, if you were to have like live discussions on, uh, with other guys while watching the game, it already happens. Like, People watch hockey and and they have Twitter up all the time, just tweeting live about you know what they're seeing. It'd be great to be a part of that conversation. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it's not a new concept. Uh, the reality is this this was tried in basketball. They used to have something called court surfing on the mm-hmm. score that I would tune into, and they and they get the best parts of of the basketball game. You know, mm-hmm. all the games from seven o'clock to ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. And so it seems it seems it seems what. And I apologize to our American and European listeners who, you know, don't have the opportunity to 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 see these channels like Sportsnet and the Score and TSN. But uh, you know, the reality is, I don't see this as anything new. But I do like the interactive premise. I like how you, it is on Twitter, how you can, you know, commentate and discuss simultaneously as you're watching with other people. So that's kind of cool. I'm just not as blown away by the novelty of. Yeah, Nick. So the I think that yeah, the NFL equivalent there I think is called red zone. And uh, the uh, thing I was surprised about was that when I was surfing Game Center, I wasn't able to watch that Montreal game. But then uh, the ice surfing was able to broadcast it, even though it was a TSN feed. So yeah, I was just kind of I was surprised about that, and it's, it's something I'll probably tune in uh, every Tuesday, and I'll, I'll let you know you guys know how it is. But uh, we're going to be moving right along to player injuries here. It's our next big segment. There's two big names that are on the IR now that we're going to we're going to talk about. the The first one I want to get into, and uh, this one's been uh, hotly uh, debated. It's been hotly talked about all week. It's the Austin Matthews shoulder injury, the second major shoulder injury of his career. 
Uh, just to give you some numbers here, he's out for at least four weeks from the time of the injury. Um, another quick fact is it's not the in the shoulder he injured last year. It's actually a different one. Um, and it's I heard this from uh, from TSN That's Hockey is that uh, the, the type of injury it is, it's something that you can come back from and it won't give you any lingering effect. So it, it shouldn't to cause too much of a problem in terms of healing. So that's good. But I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get a little worried about the player here, Nick. Like, are, are we looking at another Evgeny Malkin where he's a fantastic player, but every year something comes up? I mean, the, the shoulders just seem a little bit delicate. Um, now take it from someone who, who has, uh, who's had a lot of uh, reoccurring injuries. It just, uh, some people are just, you know, built a little bit differently. Some people can't handle the amount of uh, the wear and tear that that he goes through. So, uh, and I know it's been put out as well that Austin's had uh, some shoulder problems in the past as well in his in his junior years. So, I'm worried about how this looks for his his long term career outlook. Um, we haven't seen a full. Well, actually, I think his rookie year was a full season, but it, it just makes me a little bit worried that he's uh, he's taken these. And I saw the hit, Nick. It, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too big of an impact or anything. So, I'm a little bit worried about Austin Matthews and uh, and his ability to stay healthy. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I like the Malkin comparison quite a bit because it, it's not as if these are you know undersized, puny little you know spaghettinis. You know, little little <laughs> little 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 pasta noodles that just flims around and just and just get injured. You know. Yeah. It's, it's not it's not like he's an Elias Pettersson who's like 62 and 175 pounds. Oh, he's boy. not some twig. This is a this is a built strong center, you know, as advertised. He's a, he's a big body. You should he's be able to take, kid. you know, some some hits here and there. And and yet, you know, here we are yet again. He is going to miss some time and and the way it looks, he won't get to 80 games and he's going to be somewhere in the 60 range for yet another season. Again, yeah. And that's at the and that's at the very most. We we don't know if some maybe something will happen in February or March. We don't know. But uh it, it's disappointing to see, you know, as, as you said, I it didn't look like too bad of a hit. It wasn't dirty. It wasn't, you know, anything like, you know, that warrants suspension or anything. No. It wasn't it wasn't like a headshot. It, he just, you know, it, it must have caught him at a bad place. The, you know, obviously you mentioned the history with the previous shoulder injuries, and here we are, where Austin Matthews has to miss four weeks. So I'm not quite in the territory where I'm ready to call him, you know, this injury-prone baby who's seemingly <laughs> getting hurt every year. Yeah. But boy, oh boy, like if if he gets injured for like another month at the end of this season. Or if this same situation happens next season, then at that point, I think we have to have some serious conversations about, you know, how durable this guy really is, mm-hmm. because it is it is getting a little repetitive here. But at the same time, I don't want to you know, I don't want to just jump to conclusions and, and, and label him as that, especially when you're talking about such a such a raw talent in, in Austin Matthews. So, you know, that, that that that's my take. I mean, don't overreact, but. There is there is definitely a reason to start to be concerned. Just just hopefully Lee fans don't start losing you know their shit just yet. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. People shouldn't uh, shouldn't go too crazy now. But here is where I get the most concerned: is that the wh- how the injuries happen. They're not fluke plays. They're not unlucky injuries. Like some guys can get a can take a puck to the finger and they you know, they get injured that way. Now that's just a fluke play. Some guys go into the boards a little weird. His two shoulder injuries we've seen, they're they're hockey plays. These things are gonna happen to him all the time. It's a regular part of the game. So that's kind of what worries me is is the fact that it wasn't a crazy play. It was just kind of a regular regular play that that took him out. So that uh that's where my concern comes from. But on a side note, kind of a funnier note is that it is Halloween today. And I saw this video of uh, Carlton the Bear, which is the Leafs mascot, just scaring the, all the Leafs players as they walk I by the, into the stadium. Now, here's what I'm thinking, Nick. I mean, you got Austin Matthews with a shoulder injury rehabbing. <laughs> Do you really want to scare the guy so he fucking <laughs> screams and runs down the hallway? Come on, man. 
Could you imagine Carlton Bear sets the fucking the injury <laughs> timeline back a few weeks? You got to be kidding me. I mean, someone's got to give this guy a little memo like, hey, don't scare Austin too hard. He's got, a, he's got an injury. This is ridiculous. I mean, come on. I'm all for having fun, but like leave the kid alone. And he, he, had, he had the best reaction too, didn't he? He, he d- had a nice old scream and he ran all the way down the hall. Fantastic. I was, uh, I was worried him, for him myself, but that, that's enough on Matthews. I'm, I'm sure, again, everyone's covering it. So the latest news is, is definitely going to be out there, and that, that's our take there. But uh, Well, one, one more thing I want to add. Sure. Is I, I want to more so, you know, I know we were talking about bigger picture and, you know, his career projection and how it may affect that. But in terms of just the next four weeks, I want to know your thoughts on how this impacts the team because um... I know it's been a short sample size. It's only been one game. With, with his absence. But boy, oh boy, was that a stinker by the Leafs. Ar- uh, <laughs> unarguably, their worst performance of the season. Right. Uh, you know, held the single digits and shots in the first period. I think it was only like something like four single digits and shots in the second period. Third period, I think they put up 10. It was, it, it was, a, it was a, just a pitiful performance where they showed mm-hmm. there was no scoring chances. They showed no gumption until, you know, seemingly the last five minutes of the game. It, it, it was pitiful. The lines that Babcock put together seemed to not click. Mm. Uh, it, it, as a Leaf fan, I think you have to be concerned about that because you look at the center depth and you go, okay, Matthews isn't there. Now Tavares has to carry the load. Tavares only has a goal in his last eight games. He's struggling. I, I haven't been too impressed with his game. Uh, not to mention, Kadri had problem scoring for seemingly the whole season until last week. So I, I'm, a, I'm a little concerned about the next four weeks here. Nick, <clears throat> I think everything will be just right as rain. I think uh, in, when we're talking about the center depth, this is the reason why we went out and got a John Tavares. This guy was the number one guy for the last seven, eight years. I have no problem with him carrying the the majority of the load at center now. And I think Nazem Kadri is good enough to be a, a, a fine second line center. Uh, our third line center position is is okay. Fourth line, third line, fourth line, we start to we start to get a little weak, but. They have the forward depth, even without Nylander, to, to get by. It's it's just that, you know, they got to do they got to come together as a team to do more to keep the puck out of their own net. That's the only thing I'm thinking about. the The offense, I'm not too worried, but um, yeah, just keeping the puck out of their own net is is a whole new story. But I think, in my own opinion, that they're going to be just fine. I think last game was a bit of an anomaly, so um, that's my take on that. There's another angle here that people are talking about. This gives Nylander more leverage in his contract talks. Um, I don't think Dubas is the one to um, have a knee-jerk reaction like that where, you know, Matthews gets injured and he rushes the contract along. I don't think this injury affects the Nylander talks almost at all in terms of the mind of Dubas. So I don't think that is going to affect the timeline that we see either. And I've, I've heard reports that the Nylander contract could come right down to the wire, which is obviously uh, December 1st. If they don't sign him by De- December 1st, he cannot play in the NHL this year. So that is the a deadline that we'll be keeping a very, very close eye on. What do you think of, uh, of, the, of the Nylander situation as it relates to the injury here? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. I, I think the whole put, putting pressure on the Leafs and, and leverage for Nylander, I think that's a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> it's it's mal- malarkey to steal a word from me or Maguire. Great word. Um, great, yeah, word. great word. The only good thing he's given us all year. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I It's not like... Oh my God, we're we're eight and four, and and we're gonna, you know, we're we're struggling here, and we're scared, and we better sign him because we need to stay, you know, with with a super high winning percentage, you know, <laughs> it, it, that's that's not the case. I mean, if if this team was, you know, two and ten, then uh, okay, then maybe maybe there's a little pressure there, but you know, the amount of depth they have, what you've seen from Kapanen, 
um, you know, the, the, the kind of racetrack they have left with, with this lead that with this, you know, with this record that they built up to this point, it's, it's kind of serves as insurance. I don't, I don't, I think as, as long as they play something like 500 hockey for the next month, they'll be just fine. And, and just looking at this team on paper, I think 500 hockey could most definitely be achieved. Oh yeah, um, for sure. So, so, so that's like worst case scenario. So if worst case scenario is 500 hockey, then yeah, I just, you know, I, I, again, I hope they get the lines here together because the thing with Tavares was I, I was of the opinion he wasn't really carrying his line. I think it was more so him Marner carrying the line and him being, you know, uh, you know, a, a recipient of Marner on lots mm. of those goals. And yeah. so now with them split up, it, it's going to be very interesting. You know, Marner mm. is now with Marlowe and Kadri. Whereas, you know, you've got Kapanen with, uh, with Tavares and, and Hyman. So we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm still not sold on these lines. Tomorrow against Dallas will be an interesting test. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. But going back to the Nylander thing, no. Just, just you know, short, short answer is I, I, I can't see Dubas, you know, falling for this and, and this kind of, you know, pressuring him to go with a, with a, with a big deal here. Yeah, the only thing that maybe this hurts is their ability, at least in the short term, to lead the division, which is, uh, as you know, come playoff time, if you're leading that division, it's massive, massive to get out of the first round because we know those uh, Tampa Bay, Boston guys, they're going to be uh, they're going to be lingering around at the two and three spot. It's going to be these three fighting for the for the top three. So if we can get a wild card team, that's fantastic. And and this maybe takes a little dent out of our chances to win that division. So and you know that that's a, that's a very good point. Yeah. Because I'm looking at the standings here, and and now the way it looks, I, I don't think 500 hockey is going to keep you in the running. No. Because you you have Buffalo. Buffalo Tampa's is only two points yeah. behind the Leafs. They're they're only Are they're a one really? win away from tying the Leafs. Wow. Even with um, uh, that yep. loss the other night. Yeah, Buffalo's at 14 points, Toronto's at 16 and they've both played 12 games. Yeah. And then and then above Mon- uh, them you've got Montreal at 14 as well, but they've got mm. a game at hand. Yeah. And then Boston and Tampa are kind of, you know, right around Toronto. Right. So uh yeah, I mean just looking at these standings, I- I'm a little concerned here to be honest. Not a lot of cushion, not as mu- maybe not as much cushion as we thought. As, as I thought, fans. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, but I know a lot of players. As bad as this sounds, I, and even top players like Tavares, they think, you know, when when another guy goes injured, it's time for everyone to step up. So if he's not motivated by this, I'd be very surprised. It's it's now he's carrying this load offensively. So um, that should give him a little motivation, in my opinion. I I think it it definitely should. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. It's it's going to be fun. It's going to be a, a, a roller coaster of a four weeks for sure. It's going to be, you know, Nylander talks and how's Matthews doing and how's the team doing. It's going to be interesting four weeks in Leafland for absolutely for sure. But uh, we'll, we'll move on from that if, if you're good. Yeah, I'm good. Jonathan Quick. We touched on him. Who knows when this happened? I think it ha- actually happened at practice, which is sad. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that we both have them in our fantasy leagues and in different aspects, but, uh, so we're not too happy about this. Jonathan quick underwent knee surgery. And I think it was a meniscus tear to be specific. He's out indefinitely. No one knows when he's going to come back. Perhaps not all year. Um, all I have to say, Nick, about this two things, uh, that type of injury again, I'll, I'll touch on, uh, the, the outlook on the injury is if it's treated properly, he should be able to come back and make a full recovery. So that's always a positive. But, uh, I mean, Jonathan Quick's uh, 33 years old, Nick. Um, this, this might spell a major decline in, uh, in, the, in the career of Jonathan Quick. I'm, I'm not sure he ever hits that uh, elite goaltending status again, especially on this L.A. team anytime soon. Like... I, I'm worried about this guy. I really am because, you know, 33 years old, major knee surgery. It, it's becoming it's becoming a concern for me. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, first off, I, I was shocked and disappointed to hear the news. I mean, uh, another I surgery. A, you're talking at least a couple months. So you're 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 going to January at least here. 
Um, yeah. and, and that's best case scenario. This may be just like that year where he got injured in the first season and he didn't come back till March. So, you know, if, if you're a fantasy owner like me and you, you're crossing your fingers hoping you can have him for your fantasy playoffs. You know, yeah. you know maybe LA's fighting for a spot at the end of the year. They're playing good hockey. They get quick back, and you get some really important games out of him then. That, that's best case scenario if you're a quick owner. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, you know, the Kings right now and, and how they deal with this, I am one of the Jack Campbell fans, so to oh, speak. Um, one thing I'll say is when I was in Ottawa, they started Jack Campbell. It was, it was during that first stint where, where Quick was, was on the IR and they, and they had Campbell playing. And Kyle, I was so impressed with this kid. I know he got pulled in the game and it was an embarrassing <laughs> performance on the How ice. How could you be impressed Ky- with him? Kyle, man? this guy has character beyond belief. How can I you noticed tell? F- listen, listen. I noticed a few things, and you only notice this when you're at the game. Okay, you know how for the national anthem, usually the players line up at the blue line and the goalie's in his crease when the singer comes out to sing? Yep. Jack Campbell, this classy guy, <laughs> he stand, he stands with his teammates at the blue line. So he, he doesn't just stay in his crease. He stands, the six of them, at the blue line, and Jack Campbell was standing right beside Drew Doughty. How do you like that? That's pretty cool, I guess. Okay, another thing. Um, when he was, every time he made a save, every time like he, he caught the puck or he covered the puck and his defensemen were around him, he'd always give them like a tap with his stick. He tapped their shin pads with his stick. He just, he, he, he was just, he communicates with his teammates in a manner. I don't, I don't see any other goalie do it. It's somewhat, it's very fun to watch. And, and the third thing I'll say is when the Kings scored their lone goal in that game, Jack Campbell skated to the blue line. He did that thing where he skates to the blue line. You kind of see it in World Junior sometimes. Yeah. And and he gave he gave kind of a fist pump. He touched gloves with with all the guys who were on the ice when they scored the goal. Really. And so yeah, he just looks like a team player, like a like a goalie who's a quasi skater with his team, which hmm. I love to see because usually goalies are just they're in their own. They don't want to talk to anyone. They're in their own you know state of mind. They're they're, they're stoic. Whereas this yeah. guy was the complete opposite. So. He, he, he just, he's, he's got that kind of character to him that I really like. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, most importantly, his play on the ice, he's not all that bad. His, uh, you know, from, from what I've, he, he's let some bad ones in, like that one I showed you earlier today. But, uh, you know, the reality is, it's, if the Kings play their system, if the Kings play their, class, their A-plus class defense, and, and they limit the shots against to, you know, low-quality low shots, which I'm mm-hmm. accustomed to seeing from the Kings, this could be like a Peter Budai situation from, from a couple of years ago where you have this washed-up, terrible goalie in Budai, but he's winning games, he's got a low GAA, he's got a high save percentage because the team in front of him is making it very easy for him. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's the potential for Jack Campbell to kind of replicate that if and only if the Kings can get their act together, which if this past weekend was any indication – will be the case because it was classic Kings hockey. The shots were something like 35 to 16 or 19 against the Rangers. Um, it, it was it was a solid puck possession game. It, it was just classic Kings. And uh, and they open a six-game homestand now. So it, it's oh. a critical point of the season. Uh, th- this is it, in my opinion. This homestand will define the season. Mm. And uh, if, if they can just replicate their performance from that Rangers game, uh, I, I think Jack Campbell and the Kings will be will be in a fine spot. So that that's my say on this whole fiasco in LA. Interesting, interesting. Now l- let me ask you a, a quick question here: If the Kings continue to struggle like they have this season, is it possible that they just shut Quick down for the year? Like they just at some point they say, "Okay, we're going lottery." We want to, you know, quick. You're on the bench because we want you to be good for next year. And then, uh, and then us as fantasy owners, we're we're staring at our hands and we're saying, why, why, why me? Is that possible, Nick? Yeah, no, I I think there is merit to that point. But what I will say is, it'll take a pretty significant deficit in the in the standings for mm-hmm. for them to try that out, because uh, the reality with this team is. They only have such a small window. They, they can't afford to just not try 
for one year because when you only have three years to play with to win another cup, I don't think you know you can just shut down and, and give up on one of those three years. So it it could happen, but if it does happen, it'll be like they're well behind in the standings. There's no hope, and and they're in the running for Jack Hughes. So mm-hmm. I'd say the chances of that happen are are very slim. You know, slim to nothing. But yeah. it's certainly a possibility if they really, really fall off a cliff here. Yeah. Um, so I know you, you kind of touched on the Kings there. I, I think you wanted to talk about the Blues as well and how they responded. Well, yeah. I mean, one quote I shared with you was the Mike Yo quote where he said, yeah, yeah he, he, had not, he acknowledged his job was in jeopardy. That's, that's not something you hear from coaches a lot. Usually when a coach is on the hot seat, they kind of avoid those questions. They're silent about it. They don't want to talk about it. Yeah. He actually, you know, brought that up. And, uh, and he said, you know, I, my, my job should be on the line here. And my job, regardless of that, I'm going to keep showing up to work every day. And I'm going to try to, you know, coach this team to a cup. And, and I was a big fan of that quote. You not so much. But, uh, but you know, they, they responded on the Saturday. They lit up Corey Crawford for six goals. So one of the hottest goalies in the league, you score six on him. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was in on the action. Ryan O'Reilly had a three-point game. Tarasenko was back in the action. Uh, Petrangelo was back. Vince Dunn has been great of late. Um, everyone was getting in on the action. It, it was another one of those just fun, fun St. Louis Blues nights against a division rival in the Blackhawks. So I was happy with their game in that one. Of, of course, Jake Allen did get injured. He did not finish the game, but they are saying he will be most likely back for tomorrow. He, feel, he feels good. They've had four days off, and he should be back tomorrow against the Vegas Golden Knights. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they responded on the weekend. The Kings responded on the weekend. And the two coaches who were on the hot seat in, in John Stevens and, uh, and Mike Yo seem to have rallied their group together and and at least got in one win out of them. So, what, like I said earlier, what's most interesting about these teams is they each have six games at home coming up here. It's almost an identical schedule. So, I think the same thing goes with the Kings. I, I think these next six games will define the season for the St. Louis Blues. Right. And I, I actually I came across an interesting quote uh, on a, on a well, you told me to visit that Colorado Avalanche take from Pierre Maguire. And I think at the end of that segment, he actually mentioned that he didn't like the Blues roster. And I was just kind of scratching my head like, you know, I don't like the Blues, but I I like the roster on paper. It, it, it looks like a great roster. That that must have hurt you, Nick, uh, having that out of Pierre Maguire's mouth. Well, I don't disagree with him, to be honest. I, I know they made the great acquisitions in the offseason, but when you think about those acquisitions, Kyle, there's not really any speed there. I mean, I mean, Patty Maroon, is he a fast skater? No, by, by no stretch is he a speedster. Ryan O'Reilly, is he a speedster? No. Tyler Bozak, is he a quick skater? No. So you add these character scoring, playmaking type guys, two-way players, but, you know, they don't necessarily fit the mold of today's NHL. They're not like a Kairou or a Fabry who would just inject youthful exuberance to a lineup. So in that respect, I agree with him. And his other point was... They miss Carter Hutton, and as much as a Jake Allen fan I am, um, fan I am. <laughs> it, it, it it's it's hurt him that that Carter's not there, because yes. you know what you're seeing, and this is a great example. What you're seeing now is is an internal competition between the goalies, great goalies, and Yaro Halak and and Tuka Rask push each Halak's you know starting to win over that starting job. He's putting pressure on Rask. And as a result, Rask is playing better in the, in, in the few games he's playing. And, yeah. I, and I think that's something that's missing from St. Louis because, you know, when, when Carter started heating up and, and, and really, you know, pushing Jake, that, that brought out the best in Jake. And, and what you have now is zero competition for Jake. He feels like he doesn't have to play well to keep his starting job. And as a result, he's just not putting good performances together. So I, I think the Blues missed that internal competition. I think they missed the character of Hudden. He was the one of the most popular guys in the dressing room. And uh, hey, I, I agree with Pierre. They they, they miss Carter, and, and they certainly uh, they need they need a little more speed. I know Fabry's coming back tomorrow, so that'll be nice. Um, and you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I I can't say I disagree with Pierre too much. 
Wow. I, yeah, I almost forgot Fabry even existed. That guy mm-hmm. has got to be the unluckiest guy in the whole league. Oh, but, uh, and uh, your boy Robert Thomas has not been in the lineup of late. So uh, oh, okay. there, there's something about your Aurora pal. Kairu's still still kicking around though, yeah? He is, but you know, okay. not getting too many minutes. It, it looks like Yo's relying a lot on his veterans, more so than the youngsters in the early going here. I'd say the only youngster who's... Even Vince Dunn was 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 a healthy scratch for a few games. So interesting. Um, it, it's as if desperation is setting. Yeah, and, and I get he's that. Going, he, he, he's getting less in an experimental move with with these young kids, and he's more like, okay, I, I have only have so many pieces, so many proven pieces. My job is on the line. I'm. We got to get out of this hole with our with our veterans, you know. Yeah, and I guess Petrangelo's continued to struggle. I've I've heard that, and I guess the awful year. The triplets are to blame. I mean, we, uh, yeah, let's let's count this as an off year for him and just kind of give it, uh, g- give him the back seat there. But I don't know. I, I simply don't have any confidence in a team that can say Jake Allen is the starting goalie. Like I don't know how he he's had the the title of starting goalie for far too long now. I think if he were to be to be moved to you know ninety percent of any other team, he'd be the fucking backup and he'd be buried, absolutely buried. I don't know how this guy can possibly hold down a starting job when he's so mediocre he's so delicate i have no confidence in this team they'll i think they could make a push for the playoffs but i'm i'm saying in terms of confidence in in the playoffs there's there's just no way there's no way it can get done with this guy maybe they make a deadline move i don't know maybe i mean uh you, you said it yourself if jake allen goes down who do you have chad johnson i believe it's yeah, and, not, and, and a kid it's, called Villy Huso in the AHL. Uh, it's worrying. Even it's, he, it's has, very he hasn't worrying. had a good season. Yeah. So if I were to put money down and just looking, the, the Central's tough. The Pacific is trash. I think we can we can agree on that. The Pacific is all over the place. So Anaheim's far, Anaheim's yeah. crazy. LA's out of, out of whack. Who knows what Edmonton is? Um, Anaheim's lost something like five in a row. Yeah, they're 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 hit by by injuries and whatnot, but still, I mean, they they seem to be just bottoming out here. It, it's the Pacific's wide open, wide open. The Central is tough as shit. That's why I'm really worried about the Blues there. But um, yeah, that that's enough. That's enough of the negativity, Nick. We gotta we gotta mm-hmm. bring it up. And uh, on to the next positive topic called the doghouse. Now, the doghouse is a new topic for us. It's players who, you know, have been getting a lot of shit recently. We'll start off with poor, poor Mike Condon out in Ottawa. So he has this <laughs> game where he, he's playing awful already, and he lets a goal in from center ice, the first one of the year. And, you know, there's always a, there's always a center ice goal you know, here and there in the NHL, but uh, the poor guy gets pulled directly after that uh, that goal, so that's embarrassing. And then uh, now he's on waivers, so Mike Condon is on waivers, and who knows if he gets picked up? He's on a super friendly contract, but at the same time, he hasn't been good for a, a quite a while now. He had a decent decent run in sixteen seventeen, where he was uh, he was a, a good back up to Craig Anderson, but I don't know. This guy, it, it seems like his career is, is all out of whack right now. He got his little shot in the NHL in the last four years, and it just seems like his career is all out of whack. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who Pierre has talked at nauseum about is having the most character of any any goalie in the NHL. He, he, he went to Belmont Hill Prep School. The same prep school Pierre's kid went to. He won't oh, shut boy. up about that. <laughs> and, he, and he won't shut up about how much character he has and how such a professional he is in his work ethic. But the reality is, this is a, uh, you know, this is a performance, you know, a results-oriented league. And, yeah. and this guy has not put up the results when he's played for Ottawa here. And, uh, and that goal was, you know, the icing on the cake of, of, of his tenure so far this year in Ottawa. He had an awful first outing. He had an awful start to the game against Phoenix. And then he lets in this awful goal. I don't know what he was doing. I'm a goalie. He didn't even have his <laughs> his the, the blade of his stick on the ice. He wasn't it, even trying. I don't, I, I don't I don't know what he did. 
He was out to um, lunch. Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, you know, it, it was embarrassing. And, and honestly, I think this is this, this, you know, this, this whole waiver situation is, is it's kind of just a, a you know, a, a shot in the head for him, you know, like, uh, yeah. they're trying to scare him. They're, 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 they're saying, okay, we're sending you down to Belleville. He's likely not going to get, going to get picked up. Cause I don't know who would take a shot at Mike Condon at this, this point, right. they're going to see how he does in the NHL. Hopefully it wakes him up and then they call him up. Yeah. So that that's how I see this Conan situation uh, turning out. I feel almost bad for the guy because because it's rough, but uh, but hey, I can't say he doesn't deserve it because as you saw last night, his play has been pretty pitiful to say the least. Yeah, he might have been one of those players who was a victim in Ottawa of just saying, "All right, boys, this is probably a waste season," but uh, you know everyone else seems to be playing. It just mm-hmm. maybe he was a victim of oh, you know what. Uh, this is going to be a down year anyways, so I'm not going to give my full effort. But yeah, you say he's a character guy, I believe you. And uh, I feel I feel for the guy because it was an embarrassing situation. So hopefully things rebound for him. We, we wish him the best. But we'll move on to our Edmonton friend, the big Finn, Yessi Puliyarvi, scratched for a fourth straight game. I call that doghouse material, Nick. Um Boy, has Edmonton been a rough place for prospects to develop. If your name's <laughs> not Connor McDavid, you're you're gonna have a hard time developing in Edmonton. I mean, uh, they they flubbed off Hall, they they flubbed Yakupov. Nugent Hopkins has been a pretty pretty decent guy, and you know who knows what Eberly could have been. But um, this is not good. They they took this guy fourth overall. He was the consensus third. So when he, they, when they took him fourth, I was thrilled for the Edmonton Oilers. This this guy is seemingly made for Connor McDavid's right side. He's fast. He's very fast. He's got that huge body. Um, he's just a dynamic player. I think Evgen, Evgeny Malkin, but less skill and less poise. Um, but uh, this is bad. A fourth straight game. I heard. I heard a quote saying that this might be a message not from coach to player, but from coach to management, saying, "Listen, I just don't trust this guy. I mean, I I don't have confidence in putting him in my lineup. And uh, and where could this lead? It, it might lead him to the AHL. There's one option there, and it, it might mean he's on the market. And honest to God, um, I think teams would be interested in trading for a guy like this. He's a young guy." unproven but a lot of raw talent um i'd i'd be a gm looking to to roll the dice on this guy but you know i i don't know the i don't know the mind of peter shirelli he's made some some head scratching moves in the past but when i look at that right side in edmonton i i say you need this guy you need him to be what you drafted him so for christ's sakes handle this properly now i don't mind if if you send him to the ahl here but uh, don't just scratch him for four games straight without without you know telling anybody anything. Um, this is this is nasty because the four the right side is where you need the most help, and you cannot afford to flub another top prospect. Yeah, uh, I I think it's it's the same thing as is is the Mike Yo situation in St. Louis. You have you have a job who who you know you have a coach whose whose job's in jeopardy here. And, uh, you know, he doesn't want to experiment with this any longer. He, he isn't seeing the results he wants to see. And yeah. uh, he, he's coaching to win. You know, a, a, an NHL coach is to develop players. You know, those coaches are in the AHL. Those coaches right. are in junior. An NHL coach's job is to win night in, night out, to place the best lineup, to place the lineup he thinks will give him the most success on a given night. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, I I think you know they have they've lost confidence in the player, and 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 you're right, it is kind of a, a message to management saying you know we, we don't feel comfortable having this guy in our lineup every day. He's not giving us a chance to win. This is a team that has high expectations, to say the least, to make the playoffs this year, and we're not going to take any chances with a you know guy who's been mediocre, to say the least. So uh, I, I totally see why they're doing this. And uh, if he is on the market, then I'm, yeah, absolutely. I think there'd be some value. Maybe teams see it as a good little, you know, buy low opportunity as, mm. as a guy who isn't necessarily doing great now, but if he's put in the right place in the right scenario with the right coaching staff, 
maybe he thrives. So we'll see what happens here, but I, I do I do see why Edmonton's doing this. How long it lasts for, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess just stay tuned. That, that That's all we can say at this point. I'll tell you another reason why if I were the player, I'd be I'd be feeling a little more insulted than I should right now is the fact that Ty Ratty is injured. He is a right winger as well. So the fact that you're being scratched when one of your main right wingers is already out, it's like, man, this is just this is almost a slap in the face at this point. Like give 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 the give the dog a bone here in the doghouse. This is crazy. You gotta, you gotta plug this guy in. You cannot mess with his confidence like this. I mean, uh, he he struggles to speak English as it is. Uh, and and your point to to on Peter or yeah on Peter Shirelli, um just playing to playing to save his job basically. That's why we're seeing McDavid play these massive minutes. That's exactly what he's doing. If if he's he's playing to win right now and he's doing whatever he sees fit and. Uh, if he doesn't trust a young player, he, do, he doesn't want to give him the patience, doesn't want to give him the time, then, uh, you know, it might be a mistake and it might be keeping his job. But I don't know. I I, I feel for Pugliarvi in this situation. We always feel for our, our boys in the doghouse. And uh, this one, uh, this one's coming to, coming to a conclusion, I think, rather quickly. They're either going to put him in and they're going to give him a spot, AHL, or, or there's going to be a deal made because... Man, this guy's too he's too too much raw talent here for for this to happen. So that's uh that's my final word on on Yessi Puliarvi and I think uh we're good to move on to our next segment if you're good. Yeah, just one one thing I will say is the coach there, it's Todd McClelland. The right, GM yeah. is Peter yeah. Shirelli. Right. So just a it. little uh just to fill that gap there. I always fucking mix them up. It's uh, <laughs> two two monkeys playing around in the fucking Edmonton Oilers organization. That's all I can say. But uh, our next segment is a is a pretty interesting one. It's called Kyle and Nick's Ultimate Player. Now I'll I'll describe the rules to you real quick. It's basically Nick and I are going to create what we think are is our ultimate player based on several attributes. And those attributes are vision slash awareness, passing, hands, shot, speed, and character. Now, how we're going to do this is we're going to take a player in the NHL and plug them into each one of these categories. And the rule is we can't use the same one twice. So I'm going to pick a guy for vision and awareness, and then Nick's going to pick a guy, and we'll, we'll go from there. And uh, Nick, I'd like to have you start this one. So just to be clear, are we going with vision and passing as two separate categories or is that is that one category in itself? Yeah, so we had some debate just before the show on whether vision should be part of passing, vision and passing, or whether vision should be kind of more in the awareness realm. And I think we're going to go with vision slash awareness, which is more like, you know, pure hockey sense rather than passing ability. Sure. So we'll, we'll, we'll separate the two. Okay. Well, in that case, to start with vision and awareness, this one's a tough one because, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not as uh, explicit and not as, you know, glaring a, a characteristic as, as these other ones. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm just going to go with Crosby because, uh, you know, he, he's always in the right place at the right time. He, he just has a hockey IQ above seemingly anybody else. He's, he, just, he just knows where to be. He capitalizes on opportunities. He uh, he always reads his matchups well. He's just a great two-way player. He scores the clutch goals. I think all of those things, you know, considered, make a player, you know, vision and awareness is all part of that part of the game. And so in that case, I give that to Crosby. Um, passing, which is obviously related, um, I will give to Patty Kane. Mm. Um, fantastic passer. Love watching him play. Uh, his hands are great. He was also in the category, you know, for that as well. He was a contender, but uh, just pure passing on the power play. He's such a presence. He's so fun to watch. Um, he has, you know, seemingly great, um, you know, great chemistry with anyone he plays with. Uh, I, I'm just a big fan of him and in, in, in the passing in his game. Uh, hands. Nathan McKinnon, 
and and this one is a is a recent find for me because I was never a McKinnon guy. Um, but after watching this game last week that we talked about last episode, he's just he's just so good with he just he stick handles the puck so quick, seemingly faster than anybody I know in the league. It, it, it's just nuts. And 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 the opportunities he creates for his line mates by doing that and by kind of you know mesmerizing the opposition. It, it it's it's just a pleasure pleasure to watch. And uh, I I just think he's got fantastic hands. So. Um, that's what I've got for hands. Oh, Nick, Nick, Speed. Nick. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Before you continue, I think it's let, – let's have you do those first three as you just did. I'll do my three, and then we'll finish. Okay, so you go now. So, I'll, yeah, I'll start with vision slash awareness. I'll uh, I'll fully agree with you there. And I, I got I got I have a, a bone to pick with your, your buddy Pierre Maguire there because <laughs> you got to be kidding me. I, had, I read a quote. Mr. Pierre said – yeah, Mitch Marner, he's all hockey sense. He's got like a sixth sense. Guys like Crosby, they're more Peter Forsberg, where they they like to take <laughs> the physical aspect first. And I was just, I was fucking flipping shit, Nick. <laughs> if there's one guy in the NHL who you say, hey, who's got the best vision awareness, ho- hockey sense in the NHL? I'm saying, oh, are you stupid? It's Sidney Crosby. Are you? Of course it is. This is the this is almost you could argue the main characteristic of the player. This is his defining feature, Nick. I mean, you 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 could argue like you know lower body strength, whatever, like stupid stuff like that. But there's no one skill that jumps off the page for Crosby. He's not the best shooter. He's not the fastest guy. But it's this is this one characteristic that sets him apart as honestly one of the greats in the NHL. And uh, he's the only guy that I've seen in, in matchups where I'm I'm constantly saying to myself, how the hell did he see that guy? And how the hell, like, I'm looking at the TV, I can see an entire, I can see everybody on the ice. And he's making plays that I never would have thought I, that anyone could even make. So that's why Crosby gets uh, gets the vision vote there, because he, he has that sixth sense. Not, Mitch Marner has great hockey sense, but come on, Pierre. Come on, you you can't drop that kind of line on me. So that's uh, that's my little qualm with Mr. Pierre Maguire for the week. I, every week I'm gonna have something bad to say about Pierre, <laughs> and Nick will have something good to say about him. It's just how we work. Right. Anyways, moving on to passing, and just to preface this, uh, one of the rules obviously is we can't use the same player in two categories. I wouldn't have had this player as my number one passer. But uh, I'm going to give it to Matthew Barzell off the board, off the board pick because uh, a because he he does have the ability to find guys. And the the thing is, he has the skill to go along with the passing vision. He's another guy like Patty Kane, where it's not that just that he sees the ice well, it's that he has the hands and he has the whole package to be able to deliver it. He can deliver sauce like as good as anyone in the league. He can uh, he can hit you with a, like you know a, a bullet pass for a one timer. He's very precise. He's uh, he's just one of those guys. He's going to be a, a very assist heavy guy um, in in his uh, in his NHL career. So give me Matt Barzell for the the passing on my ultimate player. Now in terms of hands, this is where I put Patty Kane. Uh, and man, I I had to go back and forth Patty Kane and Nathan McKinnon, but. Uh, Patty Kane has just the resume of having the silkiest hands in the NHL. He, he can do it all. He can be quick. He can be smooth. Uh, he, he can go one-on-one with a guy with, with the absolute best of them. And to me, this is what makes Patrick Kane. This is Patrick Kane's bread and butter. I mean, he's got, he's got the whole package. He's got a great shot. He can, you know, pass with the best of them. But the way he creates time and space with his hands, I think that's what sets him apart. So... Those are my th- three to begin with, uh, Crosby, Barzell, and Kane. And uh, you can say your last three, and then we'll we'll get mine down as well. Yeah, no, th- those are those are good picks. Um, I definitely, like I said, Kane was my runner-up for hands, so yeah. I'm with you there. We're, you know, had I went Kane for hands for a guy passing, I may go like an Eric Carlson. Just because, okay. you know, yeah. he's so good at yeah. those stretch passes. You saw that one in, in the Stanley Cup 
playoff series against the Bruins where he went yeah, coast to call. coast with Hoffman in overtime, stuff like that. Yep. So that, that's just a fun little, uh, you know, honorable mention. Interesting but, to consider uh, defenseman in that in that passing spot. Yeah, I never thought of that. That's interesting. Yeah, you no, you wouldn't have many there, but he sticks out for sure. Yeah. Um, speed. This one was the easiest one in my opinion. Can't see you'll be too different, and that's Connor McDavid. Um, seemingly fastest guy in the league. You know, closest guys are probably McKinnon and Larkin. If you ask yep. me, those are probably the, the the two closest guys to matching his speed. But yeah. I think he's a class of his own. He's, he's just, his acceleration, the way he skates, it's like he's not human. You know, we've, we've heard it at nauseum from, from all the pundits. We've seen him do it live. He, he's just, he's like an alien on skates. It, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> he's an alien. So, he is. He's, he is from another planet, the way he skates. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Anyways, moving on here. Shot. Shot. I love Austin Matthews' shot. It is so unique from any other player. When he rips the puck, it looks like it's going to go through the netting. You know, it's just, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. The, the quick release, the way he loads up, the way he can score from any, even his offside on the ice. It, it, it's just a pleasure to watch. It's unique. It, it's so different than any other release. The, the way he puts his weight into it, it's, it's, a, it's just so fun to watch. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys who can be in this category, but to me, it, it, it's Matthews. Uh, it, it's just, and I know it's you know it's, it may be a recency bias because we've seen him score some great goals, but it, it's just a really it's really something. And uh, wrapping up here, and this one the most important in my opinion, character, character, Drew Doughty. Oh. Braden when is I think, because here's you. the thing, here's the thing. When I think character, I don't want it to just be that humble guy who gives good interviews, who leads his guys on the ice. You know, if I were to pick that, I would have gone with a Jonathan Taves. That's what I had initially. But what I want is not only a guy who has what I just mentioned, but also a guy who has fun when he's on the ice, who's smiling during the middle of a play, who's who's pissed off when his team's losing, who, who mm. breaks his stick on a post, who, who gives candid, honest responses in an interview. All those things are things I look for. They, they just, all those things are an encapsulation of character. And, and if you ask me, Drew Doughty just fills all those holes. He, he, he is everything. He's super blunt in his interviews. He tells the truth like nobody else. When he got suspended last year in that Vegas series, he totally he said the suspension was horseshit, and and every he he blatantly said that, and everybody loved it. And uh, you see him pissed on the ice when the team loses. We've seen him rage, but you know he's happy. He's always smiling. He's leading his team. Um, you know he's always you know talking to Jack Campbell. When I was at the game, him and him and Jack were communicating all the time. He's a leader. He he's just he has everything I want out of a guy. And uh, I think, you know, if you're a player who has all those skills that I mentioned earlier, the hands, the vision, the passing, the speed, and the shot, plus you have the fun-loving character of a guy like Dowdy, that, that's just that's Nick's perfect player right there. Mm. Very solid answers, Nick. Very solid <laughs> answers. We have, obviously, speed is the same, so I'll start with that. Connor mm-hmm. McDavid. Now, I'll, 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 make, I'll, I'll make a statement that's, Maybe not a hot take, but maybe some people will take it as one just because of how it comes across. But Connor McDavid is the fastest player in NHL history. Now, you can consider the skill. You can consider the talent. You can consider the equipment. You can consider everything. I'm just saying it. it's a statement, and I don't care who it is. Connor McDavid is the fastest player that has ever played in the NHL. Wow. And that... And that I mean, it's the game's never been faster, and he's making it look slow. I mean, it's hard to argue with it when you put it that way. Sure. Um, next, I will go to shot. And uh, one quick word on Matthews. Matthews has, in my opinion, the best quick release snapper wrist shot, drill, like whatever you want to call it, the pull and snap, the classic Jimmy T pull and snap. It's gorgeous. But my pick for shot is the guy that has given me the most heart attacks as a hockey fan, Alexander Ovechkin. 
arguably the greatest goal scorer of our time. Actually, of our time, me and you, he's he's definitely the greatest goal scorer we've had. Mm-hmm. Um, now, why why do I pick this guy? Because he's lethal in every area of shooting. He's got a wicked slap shot. You see him in his office on the power play. He's also got that wicked snapper wrister. It's it's crazy what this guy can do when he's coming down the wing on a rush. I mean, this guy scares the living daylights out of me when I'm watching Pittsburgh. So he he's that's something that Matthews hasn't quite developed yet is that is that one-time slapper. I know he hasn't had to use it yet because he's been so effective with his other shot, but Ovechkin's had the ability to to take that one-time slapper and also those quick snappy wristers. It's it's quite a sight to behold and I think this he's just going to keep going. It's 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 really impressive. Um so a lot of other guys are have great shots in the league, but I see them more as one-trick ponies and Ovechkin can just shoot in so many different ways. So greatest goal scorer of our time, Mr. Alex and Ovechkin. Uh now character this one is inter- the probably the most interesting one because it's really how how do you define character and and what do you want to see in terms of character in a player that you like. Now I know you mentioned a lot of uh, you know dressing room off ice stuff, how he interacts with his teammates. For me, when I when I thought of this question, I thought who is the one guy that a will do anything. I ask of him if if I'm a coach and I tell this player to do something, he will do it without fail. And who is another guy who wants who can absolutely chuck his ego right out the door? So this to me, it's it's not going to be the most skilled guy on the uh, on the ice all the time, but he's going to absolutely do anything anything possible to help me win the game in his ability. So to me, that's Brendan Gallagher. <laughs> Brendan Gallagher will go down and block shots. He'll get in the dirty areas. He'll talk to the other guys. He'll do anything you ask of him in order to win the game. Now that to me spells out character in uh, in spades. This this guy he's uh, he's small. He's always been feisty. He's he's found a way to make it in the NHL as a little guy, and uh, I it just seems like a guy with just no ego. He just doesn't care what his role is as long as it helps the team. He's He's willing to do the job. So that's why I got uh, Gallagher as my character guy. But I don't disagree with you with your with your Dowdy pick because, again, the interpretation is 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 each person's own because, yeah, Dowdy's a he's a character guy. And, you know, he's in the media. He's he's a team guy. He's a, a voice in the dressing room. Maybe Gallagher's not uh, a huge voice in the dressing room, but he, he leads by example. So, yeah. It, it's very interesting to see, you know, where we had differences in, in our ultimate players, but uh, two two pretty good players, in my opinion, that, that we've created here. What do you think? Yeah, no, it, it's pretty fun. If, if there's if there's one last part I want to go into. Yeah. Okay, so you have the personality, you have the play, you have the player, his skills. Now, if you were to put this guy in like a hockey player's body. Yeah. Who would, who would it be? Okay. Like who's got the best like frame, like physical. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Like if you're going to go the rest of your life seeing this player, you know, be this, like who, who do you want to see this player inside whose body, you know? Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, um, oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I think of like a, a prime in terms of like physical prime body being like, uh, you know, a guy who's, you know, pretty big, but not too big where he's slow. So I'm thinking of like a like a Barkov, like a Pierre-Luc Dubois type of body. Like he's he's strong, you know, he's strong, but he's quick. Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, like Nathan McKinnon, he, he's more like a like a compact, you know, power pack kind of guy. Like he he's not gonna he's not super tall and and, and rangy, but uh, he he's tight and and powerful. Um, and then when when I look at Jack Eichel, I just think, man, that guy's a gangly fucking mess. <laughs> I, I honestly, as a Jack Eichel owner, I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, man, this guy's knees are just gonna buckle. Like look, look <laughs> at his little legs, man. It's just crazy. He's got long skinny legs. I, I get fucking scared every time he's on the ice. So definitely not Jack Eichel's weird body. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, 
give me give me a Barkov type of body. Yeah. Okay. You're going for a little more of a general mold. Yeah, general. I'll go yeah. specific here. Okay. If, if 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 a player were to encapsulate, you know, all these categories, I would love nothing more than Paul Bissonnette to come out of retirement. What the fuck is and, and just, I would love to see Paul Bissonnette skating at McDavid's speed, shooting like <laughs> Matthews, <laughs> passing like Kane, showing the hands of McKinnon, showing the post-game interviews of Dowdy. Slash oh a little bit of bisonette. Yeah, I would just love. Yeah. I would love that more than anything in the world. Yeah, a little bit of little bit of bisonette humor to mix. Oh in yeah, there. perfect. Oh, we. I just love. I'd love nothing more than seeing bisonette skate like McDavid. That would be beautiful. <laughs> oh boy, and it just happens one day. Like he goes his whole life as bisonette, and then one day he's <laughs> McDavid. It's like whoa! Imagine That'd what he'd awesome. say. He'd be like, boys. I'm fucking good now. <laughs> He'd be so full of himself. I, I know it. That's great. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. So, I thought yeah, that guys. would be kind of fun. So there you go. Yeah. So there's our ultimate players, Nick. Uh, I th- We're going to move into our, our last and final section, which is the fan interviews, unless you have something else to say. Uh, One little team shout out I want to make. Yeah and this is kind of Bissonette related is I want to start watching the Arizona coyotes a little more Oh boy! because I'm looking at statistics here 10 where every team has played at least 10 games now. Yeah. And, and, and the coyotes have the lowest goals against average in the entire NHL. No. Yep. Come on. And, and you know, that's a stat. I put a lot of emphasis in, you know, I, that's on. usually one of my favorite teams, goal teams that limit goals. And in, in, in the Coyotes, through 11 games, 1.91 goals wow. against in 11. Next best team, Colorado, 2.17. Wow. In, in a also, year so far, that's yeah. high scoring. Yep. And wow. uh, shots oppression, they're fourth best in shots against. Wow. So I am pleasantly surprised. You know I was a Ronta doubter in, in yep. the early goings here, but... I just looking at these stats, I'm going to have to start watching some Arizona because this, this is impressive mm. and I'm curious if this is sustainable. So, um, shout out to your shout out to coyote fans. And, uh, you know, they, they've certainly garnered my attention just looking at these numbers. Yeah. And, uh, I, it looks like Galchenyuk is hitting his stride. Uh, it's, it hasn't been many games yet. I think it's four games and he's got, I think four points now. But uh, he's going to be a definite option on that power play. The only thing about them, as we've known, is they've struggled to score so far. So hopefully he injects some uh, some offense, which I'm sure he will. He's that kind of guy, that more pure offensive guy. So, yeah, the Coyotes, you never think that they would be number one in goals against. That's very quirky to hear, Nick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely – I'll give him a watch. I will I will definitely give him a watch. I, I, I'm interested to see who's who's running that sort of defensive uh, charge there. So very interesting. All right there, Nick. On that note, it's time to end the show. We hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, we can't wait to see you next week. Just a heads up, our Rink Moose commercial is coming out on Sunday, November 4th. Should be pretty humorous, pretty enjoyable. There's some fruit smashing going on. So, yeah, just keep keep your eye out for that. And uh, hope you guys have a great weekend. Rink Moose signing off.